Amen. We are coming to the end of a great journey through a book that is, even though some might say is so far away from us, it is so close to us. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Joshua chapter 23, and we are going to spend some time in Joshua 23, and also closing out Joshua chapter 24. It was a Monday night. The week had already started and I was already hating it because I was into my second hour of homework and I was doing math homework, which was not one of my favorite subjects. Almost to the end of that math homework, my dad came in the study where I was, and he just sat down. I had two or three problems left, and so I, I finished those problems, and then he said, Brian, I, I want to talk to you. And he started talking to me, and as he started talking to me, I knew that there was a difference in him. For the previous hour and a half, there were two gentlemen talking to him and my mom about Jesus. Something was different. I'd never seen the look in my dad before, the way that he was looking at me, the words that were coming out. Sure, I'd heard his voice before, but it was different. And so I sat there and I listened to him, and as he was talking to me, he began to share scripture with me. And that scripture, one after another after another, showed how great Jesus is and how much I needed him. I was a young guy. I was eight. Actually, I think I probably just turned nine at the time. And as he was talking about sin, I remembered sin in my life. Those times that I told my mom, no, there's no way in the world, mother, that I, my friends and I would take our bicycles and go from this side of the neighborhood across the major four-lane road over to the convenience store in Bartlett, Tennessee. There's no way we would do that. And we did it every single day. I remember even further back when I would every single day that there was school, that I would go in the storage room of the grocery store that my dad was managing, and I would fill my pockets full of gumballs. And I would steal. And I was so stingy, the way that I got found out was because I wouldn't share with my best friend, and he told on me. And so I had to stand in front of the owner of the grocery store after my dad and he was managing the store, after my dad and the owner caught me the next morning stealing, I had to talk to him about it. And I knew it was wrong. And as my dad continued to talk, 
continue to read scripture, I knew that there was a need in me to make a decision. Either I was going to continue the direction that I was going, which was leading me absolutely nowhere good, or I was going to trust in someone who could. And so I made that decision. It was a faith decision. It's a decision that some of you have made, and I would be naive to believe that there, everyone here is a Christian that some of you here need to make. And it is that decision, a faith decision, as we come to the end of Joshua, that Joshua is proclaiming from the mountaintops to the leaders of Israel and then finally to the whole of the people of Israel. And so I want us to look at this faith decision. I'm going to read the first few verses of chapter 23. And some of them will be on the screen, I believe. And I don't know where I stopped on the slides, so we'll just see if all of them are. A long time afterward. A long time after what? A long time after the first 22 chapters. A long time after he had sent that, those two and, a half, um, two and a half tribes back across the Jordan. A long time after God had given them the land and God had driven out all the ites. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies. And Joshua was old and well advanced in years. Joshua summoned all Israel. Its elders and heads, its judges and officers. And he said to them, I'm now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done. To all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain. Along with all the nations that I have already cut off. From the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you. And drive them out of your sight. And you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. That you may not mix with these nations remaining among you. Or make mention of the names of their gods. Or swear by them. Or serve them. Or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God. Just as you have done to this day. Heavenly Father. We come this morning. And God I ask. Lord during the moments that we have. Father, you would draw our focus in on you. Lord, there are a number of things that are going on in our lives. There are a number of of things that are whirling around, so to speak. A number of decisions that we have made that have brought trouble. A number of decisions that have to be made. 
in the coming days. Father, would you, would you just press pause for every single one of us in this place this morning? And Father, might we focus in on your word. God, I pray that those that are in this room would take a hard look at this fate decision. And Father, you would draw those that don't know you. They would come to know you this morning. They would desire to see you work in their heart and in their life as a father, as a savior, and as Lord, not just as creator and a far off deity or God. Father, even now, would you speak? Father, may it be clear in my mind the things that you desire for me to say and Father, might it be clear in the ears of these who hear. Lord, you speak. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I want us to see this faith decision kind of in three different slants or three different angles or views. The first is this, that a, a faith decision requires you, requires me to look back at a past encounter. It requires us to do that. For you to, to have this faith decision that you have personalized, that has become real to you, you and I must look back at past encounters. That's exactly what Joshua was doing with the children of Israel as he brought them together he got them all together and he said, hey, I want you to remember something. You, you, you must see this. For there to be a faith decision, because he's about to just draw a line in the sand with every single one of them and he is going to challenge them and I'm going to challenge you and here's the line. You must decide which side of the line you're going to be on. But before he gives them those words... And draws that line for that challenge. He says, let's look back. Verse number 3 of chapter 23 is the first thing that he, want, he draws their attention to look back. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Israel, you, you look around and you see all these nations that have fallen, every single one of the ites that you have come up against, that you have drawn the line and the battle line and the army is there, every single one of them, what has happened? God has destroyed them. Look back. Look back what you have done, what you have seen. In your life, whether as a child or as a grown-up, you saw and you walked in a place that no one has ever walked across the bottom of the Red Sea, across the dry banks of an over 
flowing Jordan River. You have walked around a city and then you walk through the rubble of a wall that just fell. Your faith decision. My faith decision. Must be one where you look at past encounters as you are drawing near to it. Chapter 24, verses 1 through 13, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and he summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. And so God is speaking. God is speaking through Joshua here, but He is speaking to His people And He speaks to you and to me as we look at these past encounters. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt, and I sent Moses and Aaron, and I I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came to the sea, and the Egyptians paused, excuse me, pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, He put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them, and your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their land and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, To curse you. But I wouldn't listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of the vineyards and the olive orchards that you did not plant. Joshua wanted Israel to look back. And he wanted Israel to see that all of these past encounters. But you need to understand, he didn't want Israel to continue to look back. 
It wasn't that, hey, let's, let's forget about going forward. Let's forget about looking ahead. Let's forget about the horizon that is in front of us. And let's just turn our gaze to the, to the rear. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying the faith decision that you must make, that I must make, has to have in it a look back. A look back at where you've been. A look back at who you are. A look back at what you've gone through. A look back at what God has done for you and who He is. And that is exactly what is taking place. The look back is one done to see all that's occurred. The examples given by Joshua, all that God had done, the law that he had provided, they were given so Israel might make the right decision today. His word is in front of you. His word, finished some 2,000 years ago, is in front of you and in front of me so that the decision you make today, the decision that is in front of you, the most important decision that you will ever make can be done. Seeing past encounters of men and women just like you, of boys and girls just like you, with a living, holy, loving, faithful, and forgiving God. You too have a decision to make today. The decision is right in front of you. The decision is the same that they had to make as we go from a slant or a view of this faith decision of looking at past encounters, look at this second one as I read verses 14 and 15. A faith decision is seen by others through the unfading action that is tied to it. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What's the decision? The decision is this. Who who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? There are a number of people. There are a number of little g-gods. There are a number of things that you could serve. Joshua understood that. You also need to understand that. There are a plethora, I mean a whole host of things for us to serve. But the question is, who are you going to serve? For there is just one who is worthy of your service. There are a number of questions that you might have. I understand that. There are a number of questions that I had that night as my dad sat down with me and he spoke 
There are a number of questions that I've had since that night. I'm sure there are questions that you have. But ultimately it comes down to this. Who do you trust? Who are you going to believe in? Are you going to believe in the creator who created this world? Or are you going to believe in man a part of that creation? Are you going to believe in the culture that changes by every wind that blows this direction or that direction? Or are you going to trust the one who is faithful and true, who does not shift or change no matter the time, no matter the situation, no matter the day? Who are you going to trust? A faith decision is seen by others. It's seen by others in the unfading action that's tied to it. Do you see what he says? In verse 14, he says, fear the Lord. That means to have a respect of him, a a proper respect of the king, of Jesus, of God. But then he doesn't stop there just saying, all right, have this proper respect in your mind and in your life. He says, serve him. Sir, live it out with sincerity. Live it out in faithfulness. Put away all those other things that you're so tied to and just serve Him. Put away all the things that that trapped your parents on the other side of the river and trapped your parents and their forefathers and your forefathers back there in Egypt and serve the Lord. This week I had lunch with uh, one of our members here. And, uh, and he, he started telling me of something that was going on at, at work. And uh, I was listening rather intently as he was talking about it. And he said there was a customer that came in his, his workplace and they just started talking. And he started talking and he knew this guy from a different time. But he started talking and he thought a certain way of this guy, that this guy was just low down and just terrible. And this guy just started talking about Jesus. And he's like, what? Is this the same guy? He's like, yeah, this is the same guy. So they kept talking. And this guy asked him about his testimony. And he asked him about what was going on in his life. And one of our members said, are, are you going to church somewhere? And he said, yeah, but, but it's not where exactly I want to go. I want to go where there is a place that they open the word and they are just feeding off the word. And one of our members said, I go to a church like that. Why don't you come to church? Why don't you come to connect? And just be a part. And we get in the Word every single week. And I left. I I left that lunch meeting. And I was like, he got it. He's living it out. It's not just something that's up in his brain. But he's talking about it at the job site. He's talking about it every place that he goes. And when the conversation comes, he didn't go in and just barrel and say, Hey, everybody in the workplace, let's talk about Jesus. No, when it came up, he took those steps. I got a couple of quotes from uh, yesteryear. John Wesley, on this passage, uh, on Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Whom will you serve? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. John Wesley stated this, 
a resolution this worthy of a hoary-headed saint. Now, let me stop right there. You're like, a hoary-headed saint. Now, I know probably what's going through your mind of the definition of a hoary-headed saint is not what John Wesley meant when he said it. But here's the definition. A hoary-headed saint is one with white and gray hair. Okay, So this hoary-headed saint who has had this large experience from his youth or her youth up of the goodness of the Master to whom he had devoted himself and the uh, advantages of his service. How much is it to be wished that all who have tasted that the Lord is gracious, all whom he has brought out of the land of Egypt, out of the bondage of sin, those especially who are united together in Christian fellowship, that they would adopt this wise resolution. Then would the work of the Lord prosper in our land. Then would His word run and be glorified. Then would multitudes of sinners in every place stretch out their hands unto God until the glory of the Lord covered the land as the waters cover the sea. What a statement that you and I today would grasp this opportunity, that we would grasp this decision and we would live it out. Let me pull back one more quote from yesteryear. A guy by the name of George Whitfield, one of the great preachers of the first great awakening here in the United States. Upon reading this and upon preaching it to his congregation, it was brought up, how can we do this? How can we live this out? And he spoke of a number of motives, and let me give you a couple of them that would draw us to this faith decision. He says, first, this first motive that I shall mention is the duty of gratitude, which Uh, You that are governors of families, guys, he's talking to you, me and the household, the head of the households, which you that are governors of families owe to God, your lot, everyone must confess, is cast in a fair ground. Providence has given you a godly heritage above many of your fellow creatures, and therefore, Bout of a principle of gratitude, you ought to endeavor as much as in you lies to make every person of your respective households to call upon him as long as they live. A second one, if gratitude to God will not bring you here, methinks love and pity to your children should move you with the respective families to serve the Lord. But thirdly, if neither gratitude to God nor love and pity of your children will prevail on you, let a principle of common honesty and justice move you. But fourthly, if, ne- if none of these things, let this, that prevailing motive of self-interest, turn the scale and engage you with your respective households to serve the Lord. And lastly, if neither gratitude, love to your children, common justice to your servants, nor even the most prevailing motive self-interest excites you, Let a consideration of the terrors of the Lord persuade you 
to put in practice the pious resolution in this text. And that there may be always such a heart in you, Riverbend, and in me. Let me exhort all the heads of the families in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Often to reflect on the inestimable worth of their own souls. And the infinite ransom, even the precious blood of Christ, which has been paid down for you and for me. Remember, I beseech you to remember that you are fallen creatures. That you are by nature lost and estranged from God. And that you can never be restored to your primitive happiness till by being born again of the Holy Spirit you arrive at your state of purity. You have the image of God re-stamped upon your souls and are thereby made meet to be partakers of the inheritance with the saints in light. Now for some of us, the last three minutes is like, how in the world can I understand something that was written, that was spoken 300 years ago? We don't talk like that. I tried my best to kind of put it in 2014 Mississippi language. But here's the gist. There is a weighty decision in front of you. In front of you. In front of us. A weighty decision. Who will you trust? Who will you serve? How are you going to live your life? How are you going to lead from this day forward? And it is something that you and I cannot, must not take flippantly. You and I find ourselves in this culture, we find ourselves worrying way too much about this life that is fleeting, that is some 70 years If God allows 80, possibly even 90, and we think very little of eternity. And Joshua, Joshua wanted to remind the children of Israel as he is old and as he is about to go the way of his fathers, as he is about to be laid to rest. He Wants to remind them. Look. At eternal days. If you've never personally made a faith decision. If you've never personally accepted Christ as your Savior. As your Lord. In just a few moments we are going to have an invitation. And it is a chance for you. To make that decision a third and final view of this faith decision is found in the remain remaining verses of chapter 24 here's what he states in verse 16 down through the end of the chapter he says this but as for me and my house who will serve the lord Uh, Excuse me, we will serve the Lord. 
The people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went. And among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in their land, in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Clue in to what Joshua responds. But Joshua said to the people, You're not able to serve the Lord. You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. And he said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. And he put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth. And uh, that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against you, uh, against us, for it has heard all the words the Lord that he has spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. And after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died being 110 years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders, elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. As for the bones of Joseph, which... The people of Israel brought up from Egypt. They buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. And it became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died. And they buried him at Gibeah, the town of Phinehas, his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. Reminders for you, reminders for me are key to remain constant with your faith decision. Every single time that this baptistry is filled, that someone right over there 
publicly sits, publicly is baptized, publicly comes up wringing wet. It is a picture and a reminder for you and me of a decision that they made. A decision for two purposes, it is a reminder. First, it is a reminder of what took place in them. And what they are saying, hey, here is my testimony. Here is my words in action. Jesus saved me and I am coming to you, his church, to publicly profess that. But it's also a reminder for you and it's also a reminder for me that you and I have a responsibility to that person. What's the responsibility? The same responsibility that every one of the Israelites were checking in on. It wasn't just one Israelite who said, yeah, Joshua, it's, it's, um, it's our decision that we're going to serve God. No, it was every single one of them. They were all gathered there, moms and dad, old and also young, and they were there, and they were looking around, and they were saying, all right, if Brian made this decision, and I see Brian living unlike this decision as my neighbor, then I need to go over there and talk to Brian. And they did. If one person out of all of Israel stated this and then lived differently, guess what? All of Israel was coming to their door and saying, Hello, do not live this way. This is the decision you made along with us to serve God. The problem. The problem. When Joshua died, when all the elders died that lived alongside of Joshua, all of Israel shifted. It wasn't just one family that went astray. It was the whole nation that went astray. Joshua, knowing that, is the second thing that he did. He didn't just take their hand and their voice. He said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to erect this stone, and it's going to be right here beside the, the sanctuary, right here beside the tabernacle, so that every time you come in and you go out and you see this stone, it is a witness for you. If you go to my mom and dad's house right now, you look at one of their door frames, and on if you're looking at the door frame on the right side, there are a number of marks and some handprints and some footprints that are on the right side, and then there's some on the left side. What are they doing? It's a reminder for my mom and dad. They're getting old. Hopefully, they won't watch, they won't listen to this. But it's a reminder for them. Hey, my grandkids were this size, this size, this size, this size, and it's just a reminder for them. On the right-hand side. And on the left-hand side, it's the other two. And as they grow, they're going to just start marking. That's exactly what was happening with Joshua and the children of Israel. It is a milestone. It is a reminder so that every time they would pass that point, they would say, hey, we made a decision. We made a decision six weeks ago that we were going to follow God. They come back against it three months later. We made a decision some 12 weeks ago that we were going to follow God. We made a decision 13 years ago that we were going to follow God. We made a decision 45 years ago that we were going to follow God. It's a reminder for you. You need those. Because if you stop following God, God reminds us 
in two passages as I close. In Isaiah chapter 55, he says this. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And in Luke chapter 19, verse number 40, Jesus is responding to the Pharisees on that great Palm Sunday. Blessed All of his followers were saying this. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd, they said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke your followers. And he answered, I tell you. Even if all of these are silent. The very stones crowd what is your testimony today sir what what is your testimony today what decision have you made the line in the sand has been drawn so to speak are you going to serve Jesus the one who died for you the one who loved you the one who has a place for you for all eternity he took God's wrath on you on your behalf are you going to follow the way of the world. Choose you today. Who are you going to serve? Ma'am, who are you going to serve? Well, my husband doesn't. Didn't ask about your husband. Girls and boys. Who are you going to serve? Well, my mom and I didn't ask about mom and dad. Who are you going to serve? As for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. Father. I pray for the men. That lead households this morning in this place. God, I pray that they would. See the seriousness of. The responsibility that they have, not, not for what has taken place necessarily years ago, but Father, what is taking place at this moment and the direction that their household, my household, will be facing from this moment forward. Father, I pray for The wives, the moms, the ladies. Lord, it's just as serious. Who are they going to serve? Father, I pray that we all would respond. That we would respond just as the children of Israel did. We will serve the Lord. No, no, it's not a flippant answer, Father. It is something that has been weighing on me. It is something that's been weighing on us. That's who we want to serve. So, Father, I pray that that is seen in every single man, woman, boy, and girl 
clarity. It is crystal clear the decision in front of them. You're asking, who do you want us to serve? Father, that we would 